Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Joining me, Chris, today is TJ, tomorrow. Hello, today. And David, yesterday? Maybe. <laughs> we are here to talk about uh, some uh, Oscar contenders. Uh, we assigned the movie Marriage Story, and we're going to talk about that. We've also saw, seen a couple of the movies that are Oscar contenders, um, and we're going to start with David, who saw one recently. Sure. But first, it's Shalou Watch. Oh, oh, what's he doing? Is he here? Marvelous. Me. Marvelous. <laughs> Mrs. Maisel, season three is out. Uh, that's right. So, if you need your fill of Shalhoub. I like that we picked a, like, dense, like, dead to us celebrity. Let's see what he's doing. Oh, he's just repeatedly starring in, like, the most critically acclaimed TV show out right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's like any news you look up about Tony Shalhoub is all just about either the previous or the upcoming season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So now. We stoke that fire. <laughs> You're welcome. Do we know it's not in the monk verse yet? Marvelous Mrs. Basil. Can anybody confirm that it's not just more monk? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. He, I heard the word you said, but I didn't process what monk verse was. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so go watch that. That's your Shalhoub watch update. Sure. All right, now David, <laughs> I'm throw it to you. So a couple movies. Some of them uh, we've. All seen together. I'm joining the group watch finally for seeing Jordan Peele's Us. You've completed your Jordan Peele filmography. I have. Yeah, I've seen all of them. <laughs> um, it's uh, recently on HBO. That's how I saw it. Yeah. And uh, turns out the movie's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was very good. It was very funny. Um, like, like he does is very tense. And uh, claustrophobic and a great allegory for something. Yeah, yeah. for a country getting divided in half, literally, by yeah. red people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hands across America. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, yeah it, was, it was really good. It was. It's a great, um, for some of these movies that are potential Oscar contenders, it is great fun, great horror in it, great suspense, and, uh, you know, very... Very uh, humorous and good to see Tim Heidecker in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long shot for most nominations. I think it's closest is probably Lapita, um, who would be super deserving. She was yeah. fucking phenomenal. Me and Chris saw this on opening weekend and yeah. then have both seen it since me a few months ago. You kind of recently, right? Yeah, in the last couple of weeks when it got out of HBO, mm. basically. It was on, and it was the part right when they sit down at the table with the shadows. Mm-hmm. So it was the perfect time to jump back into that. That's a better horror direction than anything I saw in Get Out, is that whole scene. Mm-hmm. It was just so fucking terrifying when they are up at the top of the driveway. Oh, yeah. So good. And then, yeah, the uh, Winston Duke clone tethered guy just starts past walking yeah. directly towards, um, essentially towards the camera. It is... Yeah, more pure horror than Get Out is. Right. Yeah, the way that like the 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 two kids, like the one kid scrambles and mm-hmm. like climbs the tree. The girl like goes sprinting off, mm-hmm. and uh, the Lupita Nyong'o shadow just like stands still. Mm-hmm. It felt like a very Night King like lifting his arms up moment. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be cool to see. And I, you guys know the the odds better. It'd be cool to see this this get a screenplay nomination because I think that's where it really shines. It'd be an original, and original is kind of a bloodbath this year. Yeah, with uh, Tarantino in there, uh, Bombbox in there, Bong Joon Ho, um, and kind of the outsider indie stuff is 
the farewell and some other stuff. Booksmart. Yeah. Booksmart. Yeah. It'd be it'd be tough for him to to jump in there. Plus, we'll see what he wouldn't is, be undeserved, though. obviously. Right. Yeah. And another person I thought was getting that who I guess is starting to to kind of come up a little bit just because of the MCU stuff. But Winston Duke was also yeah fantastic. Yeah. Does really great with the humor. Really good with the. Uh, just all of it. Yeah, that 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 the movie doesn't take doesn't it doesn't let him take a break from being kind of like a dad humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really appreciate like when he like what, cracks wise about the boat, mm-hmm. and then he goes out on the boat, fights his uh, tethered man, and then comes back and goes, well, oh, he fights uh, Tim Heidecker. Mm-hmm. He comes back and goes, well, both boats are gone. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, I'm done with boats. Yeah. David, did you also laugh real hard because I know Chris and I did at Tim Heidecker chasing him out of the house, out of Tim Heidecker to Elizabeth Moss's house, where he's like trying to imitate how like cool guy Tim Heidecker was. <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> kept like and he finger does, like, the, the holding his hand out and goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the the I don't know how you would say that the the hand comb. <laughs> He goes handshake to come. Everyone knows that. Yeah, handshake to come. Uh, so there is one person on one expert uh, in quotes on Gold Derby who has them predicted for a nom, um, but they are in tenth. Okay. Currently on Gold Derby, ahead of Bombshell, Dolomite, nineteen seventeen, Booksmart, Knives Out, Pain and Glory, The Farewell, Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Marriage Story. So, ouch. Yeah. Well, it's a. Uh, I think it's 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 a. For you, it must be like a good palate cleanse between last week with Irishman and this week with Marriage Story. Both very serious, very grounded movies, yeah. and then this is like way more f- more fun. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. score, three and a half hour Scorsese miniseries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take, take that, Morty. <laughs> and uh, a little bit of a gut punch. Yeah. Real quick, did I hear you say when I was coming in a little late that Scorsese was like pissed when he heard people were watching it in multiple settings? Yeah. Sorry, dude. Yeah, we all got to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> real, real Christopher Nolan uh, problem for him. Yeah, I feel like somewhere th- there's like a. That's true. I was the person who said I was going to go out of my way to watch Doug Kirk on my f- iPhone. Piss <laughs> 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 him off. Turns out it was still great. Yeah, turns out really good. Yeah, I feel like between Spielberg, Nolan, and Scorsese, they just trade around a jar of their like combined farts just to huff. <laughs> about like how to best consume cinema and just like just fuck right off. They must have like a white director group text. <laughs> 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 All pissed off about it. All right. You you say something now. <laughs> but everybody's probably got Tarantino muted. <laughs> <laughs> they all sarcastically laughed at uh, uh, the uh, don't sign contracts without uh, inclusion writers. They were all like <laughs> 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 so us yeah it's really good really recommend it great palate cleanser probably in uh, at the end of the year when you're trying to catch up on uh, potential Oscar noms breath of fresh air for me Thanks. cool you all saw something that I didn't see that is another long shot um, for anything mm-hmm. uh, I guess Annette Benning would probably be the closest and she's kind of falling off now a little bit uh, yeah again I think Driver could in a different year but I think all his votes are going on the movie we're going to talk about later. But y'all watch the report. Yeah. How was it? Um, it's very, very procedural. Yes. But uh, I'm a fan of procedure and getting into the nitty gritty of how 
this stuff happens. So it's about the uh, <clears throat> enhanced interrogation techniques, a.k.a. torture stuff, that uh, came out about the Iraq War and Afghan um, conflict. Um, <clears throat> Adam Driver is uh, Diane Feinstein's um, aide who is tasked with uh, writing up a summary of things that happen, and he's working through the things he has access to. Things get redacted. He gets refused uh, refused help, and it kind of plays out in Congress and you know, basically Congress and in the public in the public forum about yeah. uh, you know the framing of this in this technique as a success. Um, they even watch Zero Dark Thirty in the middle of the movie, yeah. <clears throat> and saying like, "If we got Bin Laden, then of course enhanced interrogation techniques worked." Yeah, and. Uh, Adam Driver is leading the charge that just because that happened doesn't mean this worked. And, uh, yeah, the movie is very critical, obviously. I mean, you can't really support that at yeah. this point. Very critical of that stuff. And uh, I think there's really unflinching portrayal of the... It's really interesting, just two people that kind of just sort of have a PhD. In like, one of them had a PhD in sports science. Yeah. And just theorized that this would work. And could never back up his findings. And they just would torture further to uh, <clears throat> torture further to um, justify the torture. They were just kind of in too deep to admit fault, or maybe just too arrogant to admit fault. Yeah, they were talking about. It was, it was kind of a really telling scene. They're um, they're interrogating uh, Ghoul Rahman, uh, who was one of the people who died from the EITs. Um, and they were basically like, this guy's going to tell us whatever we want to hear. Like, this isn't working. Kind of at the black site where they were doing it. Uh, to which these two, uh, the, the two guys who uh, basically created the technique um, and encouraged the use of waterboarding were like, oh no, this does give us a lot of information. It gives us the information that he's going to lie to us. And that was like, because the CIA's stance was, if it works, it's not illegal. Um, and if we get actual information, then it's not illegal what we're doing. It's all fine. Um, based on a memo by John Yu, who was one of the bushy, you know, Office of Legal Counsel guys. Mm -hmm. um, and so at every corner, they're trying to justify it, and they're saying that that's why it worked. <laughs> right. But why it was <clears throat> fine. Um, but I like the <clears throat> I like the procedural touches, like the dis you get the discussion in the room of the like the the legal counsel for the White House trying to figure out the loophole for how they can legally do this. Right. And the loophole they land on and like spit around the room is pretty ludicrous and pretty sadistic. Yeah. It's essentially like if you don't intend to kill, like you can't, or you don't uh, do anything that's like grievous bodily harm or could potentially kill someone, they could say, you know, we could loophole that it's not actually torture. Which they still stick to after they kill someone right. doing it. They're like, well, we didn't right. intend to, so it wasn't torture. <clears throat> we intended to it's get like, information. Yeah, just short of like organ failure yeah. is, is what they could do. And then still they go past that and still defend it. So <clears throat> it's kind of tough to say, is it entertaining or not? It's really <clears throat> just a deep dive summary of the stuff that happens and more... I never know how to pronounce this word or what it really means, but kind of agitprop or agitpop. That's the kind of thing. It's it's just kind of a political pop culture thing to kind of sway people um, 
at this point, I don't know who it's swaying. Um, right. The people that are going to, it's the kind of thing, like the people that are going to watch it do not need their minds convinced. You know right. I mean? Well, they did do it. It's interesting that they have, you know, a veteran who still is like super active and helping the military out with mm-hmm. Adam Driver playing the lead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it it kind of is, a, and it's a directorial debut. Um, for uh, Scott, Scott Burns. Burns, yeah, he's written a lot. Um, he wrote The Laundromat this year, which is the Soderbergh movie. He's done um, a bunch of uh, later period uh, Soderbergh. I think like Contagion. He wrote The Born Ultimatum, The Informant, Contagion, Side Effects, and The Mercy. Uh, his first credit is oddly a producer on an Inconvenient Truth, though. So <laughs> he's got, you know, spears to die on. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I thought it's a it's an interesting movie. It's um, I think like truly carried by uh, Adam Driver mm-hmm. um, playing Dan Jones. He's it's because it is so procedural. It's not there, there's not that much passion in it. It's the CIA quietly um, like hiding information. And then, you know, people, like, reacting to how strange it is that they can't find it. And then a flashback to when they capture Abu Zubaydah and Ali Sufan, uh, you know, speaking to him in Arabic and getting information using, you know, not torture. And then, like, jumps forward. But then Adam Driver really kind of punches up the indignation mm-hmm. because he's been working with the Intelligence Committee for, like, six years by the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's just devoted his life to it you know they make jokes like he never sleeps and he's just like so so passionate about this after having been burned by the CIA on his previous investigation um, I think that's that's really the, the main interesting conflict in it it's all uh, kind of the the, the conflict between uh, Diane Feinstein and Dan Jones on him going maybe like overstepping and her still, him still trying to seek like seek her approval for mm-hmm. the work he's doing while while trying to get this report out. Yeah, <clears throat> I think Driver really makes all that stuff personal on the screen. That <clears throat> it's the uh, the personal commitment and his personal investment in it happening, working and getting out. I think you really feel that part. I think without him there, and he's he's such. We'll probably talk about it later, but he's such like an intensely physical actor. Yeah, yeah. You you see it all up there. I think without him, it probably falls apart as too dry. Yeah. Um, and for for Oscar stuff, yeah, I think it it works to help uh, Adam Driver as an overall year. I think, but uh, he, you know he's better elsewhere that we'll probably talk about. And um, <clears throat> the Annette Benning of it all, she's she's good. But I don't think there's enough there for her to to keep her in as a supporting actress. If it is, it'd be like a uh, we like Annette Benning long shot. If uh, me and David both have her out in our latest Oscar top fives uh, of supporting actress category, Gold Derby has her out too just now at six. 15 to 1 odds behind Laura Dern in A Marriage Story, Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers, who I think are both locks for noms here. And uh, Florence Pugh's Al Shuzen and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. And she's got Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit on her tail, too. People are talking about <clears> that <throat> as kind of a Viola Davis situation, apparently. Like a doubt Viola Davis situation. Right. Like a, she's got one scene that's fucking amazing in Jojo mm-hmm. Rabbit. But 
but yeah, it's uh, it's good. I'd recommend it. It's on Amazon. It's two hours, and if you're into politics, especially in that area, um, you know, definitely see it. Uh, it's a. Uh, it was really interesting watching that after watching uh, the tall tower, the looming tower, mm-hmm. um, this year also because looming towers kind of about the same thing but it's all the key players it's, it's that's about the war between the information war between the CIA and the FBI so it's kind of funny seeing this like third perspective the war between the Senate Intelligence Committee and the CIA mm-hmm. um, so like when they were talking about Ali Soufan and they're like who the fuck is Ali Soufan I'm like I know that guy mm-hmm. he's the fifth person ever to speak Arabic to work at the CIA like it's a you know it's a good movie I liked it That's the gospel truth. <clears throat> uh, then we all watched uh, a brand new movie. It came out uh, Friday last week, I guess. Uh, Noah Bobbach's Best Picture nominee, Locke, Marriage Story. Uh, Netflix original. Um, it came out, yeah, just last week. Uh, should we run the plot on this one real quick? Yeah. It's pretty simple. Uh, Charlie Barber is uh, Adam Driver's character. He is a... Uh, <clears throat> Successful, I would say. Very successful. Uh, theater director in uh, New York. Not on Broadway, but about to be on Broadway. Yeah. Lives in a very nice apartment for where they are. They live in Brooklyn with his wife and son. Uh, his wife, Nicole, played by uh, Scarlett Johansson. <clears throat> What's his son's name? Henry. Henry. That's right. Um, and it starts off with them in therapy. They are... Separated, pretty much. You kind of get a montage in the beginning of the good times. Yeah, they've written notes to each other. They're supposed to read it at marriage about, counseling. About what they like. Yeah. Um, and But it picks up as the divorce is starting, pretty much. Yeah. Contrary to the title. Uh, she is a pretty big teen actress who <clears throat> fell in love with Charlie and has been acting uh, only in his plays for the past decade or so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, she gets offered a pilot in L.A. where she's from and where all of her family is and pretty much takes it. And uh, there's a lot of like lack of communication because they're kind of upset with each other. Right. Not in a very like bad way or violent way, but they're just not on the best terms. And uh, communication leads to a lot of you know bad shit as the divorce comes up. They have, have, in the beginning, want to do it as a, uh, like, let's just get the two of us in a room, we'll figure it out. We don't own anything anyway. Um, And we'll go from there. And uh, she ends up signing a lawyer at uh, the advice of a co-worker. And he ends up finding a a kind of a good lawyer, but drops him because her lawyer's playing hardball, and it just escalates and escalates uh, through the divorce proceedings. Uh, Ends on the happiest note it could, I guess. They essentially have 50-50 split of Henry, their son, and, uh, you know, split most of it. And they seem like they still kind of hang out a lot. And Adam Driver's close to her new beau. Mm-hmm. And the boy's happy, Henry, and it's that. But it's it's a, it's a Noah Baumbach movie. So if you've seen that before, there are lots of awesome conversations that happen along the way. And lots of room for two amazing actors, I think, of our generation here to Act shine. Amazingly. yeah. yeah. Um, and they do. Holy shit, they do. <laughs> um, I know Bombot probably runs this movie with his writing, uh, and directorial choices, which is weird. Uh, like camera work. But, what'd y'all think of 
<coughs> marriage story. <laughs> the title is still weird to me. Yeah. After watching it. <clears throat> yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought it was... Uh, <coughs> we joked earlier that it, it might be, you know, my favorite Noah Baumbach movie. Uh, but, you know, I think this this might be. This is... Yeah. <laughs> um, it's... It is an interesting... I was talking to TJ before, maybe like yesterday about it, after I watched it. Um, I feel like this movie is like... You're not ever in the shoes of either of these characters. Or like... I, I don't feel like it's portrayed as you wanting to be on the side of one or the other. It's you are looking at them from a telescope. Like not close enough that you're emotionally invested. You just want what's best for both of them and just to kind of see it all play out. And I think that's that's it's cool that there's not a good guy versus bad guy. They both do shitty things to each other. They're both not as forthright with each other as they should be. And they're both being a little selfish at times in, in their demands. Um, and that's, I think, a, a fun and very realistic way to portray it. But no one is ever going to accuse Noah Baumbach's scripts of not being hyper-realistic, because they always are. Um, but I, I thought it was really good. Yeah, he apparently just divorced <clears throat> Jennifer Jason Lee too, like, as he started to write this. Um, he's married, or at least up... S.O. of Greta Gerwig now. I think S.O. Yeah. But, um, what do you think, David? I thought it was, uh, fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my kind of shit, too. It's a small, it's like the thing where I loved Manchester by the Sea. It's a small story, I think, perfectly told. Yeah. It's got Bombax's heightened dialogue and heightened situations and heightened satire. And with the, I think, uh, perfect specificity of a lot of the choices the specificity in the letters the specificity in like the the things you argue about the details you notice when you're going through like heavy fucking shit yeah um and uh <clears throat> yeah anchored by two i think heavyweight performances with scarjo and uh and driver <clears throat> excuse me frog in my throat or i'm gonna start crying <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it is, uh, if you think about Noah Baumbach's kind of career, he's kind of, uh, really cynical, really, like, acerbic and acidic and biting, and that's kind of the thrill of it. For me, that was kind of dialed down here, even though it's probably the most brutal situation I think he's probably portrayed. Um, we were talking before, but Squid and the Whale has... Uh, divorce in it as one of the central through lines. Yeah. But it's told through the stories of a kid. So as a kid, and it's something I don't have any knowledge of being being divorced or being a child of divorce, mm. but it feels like from the child's perspective, you get the, um, it's easy probably to feel the acidic, you know, people hate each other that you probably just absorb being in that situation. It didn't feel like in this movie... It felt like a more mature take that people don't hate each other, but they hate what it's making each other do. Right. It definitely <laughs> seemed like an attack on the divorce system at a, some point. Like, yeah. I mean, it cost them $100,000 to do something that they didn't need. You yeah. know? Yeah. And not to talk procedural again, but I love the procedural details of even seeing Adam Driver write the check to the lawyer for things that are going on or in the one of the... The, the first great uh, mediation with 
like Alda and Alan Alda, the lawyer, and Laura Dern and the, the two people there. Like they just order lunch and they yeah. like talk about each other, like in the middle of trading all these barbs and this like you know, the lawyers speak of like I could bury you with this, I could bury you with that, you forgot about this, the California courts, and then they say like, Oh, you know, they have a great sandwich. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's just the life you live. Or Ray Liotta seeing her in court, I was like, "Oh my gosh, they t- they took it nuclear." It's like, yeah, John Legend's going to be at the <laughs> at the memorial show or <laughs> for my charity. Yeah, yeah. one of the memorial shows, like yeah, charity, cancer event. benefit, yeah. yeah, cancer benefit, yeah, yeah. And she's like, "Oh my god, yeah, I love John Legend. I'll be there." Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. There was some scenes in there that were you talking about David? What David was talking about with the level of specificity. That uh, he goes to with the script, but like little things like Scarlett Johansson ordering for him mm-hmm. at yeah. that uh, was was really good. Um, their fight scene is probably like the the climax, the moment you know that people will point to. Yeah, It'll show that when they announce their name as being nominated for Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a phenomenal scene though, directed and acted and written all the way around. It was just ridiculous <laughs> and culminates with that just horrible. Yeah, I I wish I wish you would be dead. Yeah, yeah. If I had I love assurance how, I love that our child passive. was fine, like I wish you would you would be dead. I love how passive it is. Like his the that's the and we're complimenting the writing. The it's not like I hope you die. It's I wish I would wake up one day. You would have gotten sick, and then you get hit by a car, and like the kid's okay, but you're just gone. For me, what what kills me is the the uh, the the claws of the kid. You know that tr- that Henry's fine and you're dead. Yeah, that that just like kills yeah. me on that one. Yeah, um, it, but you get other stuff too, which is just like sad. And I do I kind of agree with David. It's a very adult take on the situation and not a Hollywood take on the situation. Like you get this. Uh, I mean, even when things are going kind of good in the beginning, but when he comes in and tells her he got the MacArthur genius. Grant. Yeah. She's genuinely excited for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's so proud of him in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's just so heartbreaking that they just don't love each other anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love the specificity also in the... The movie is almost bookended by the two two Halloween scenes. Yeah. Uh-huh. The first of the two Halloweens, like the splitting, splitting holidays between um, two sets of parents is you know, something that is probably hard for kids, but also hard for the adults in the situation. Like, Adam Driver wants to be a good dad, but the the kid has the good Halloween, and then it's too late, and he's going down, like, uh, Go like to Hollywood liquor Boulevard store. to a liquor store. <laughs> yeah. And he's getting, like, the, the awful single dad version and going to the single dad hotel, the single dad apartment later. Yeah. Yeah, I... I one of the one of the scenes that really stood out to me that I love just kind of the the in, the intricacies of yes um, was the uh, the home visit by the court appointed uh, uh, advocate mm-hmm. um, just like how funny that was in what is like not a funny situation at all mm-hmm. but just how like just beige she is personality wise it's another like poke a fun at the system too yeah like y'all really think this fucking works you think you get any kind of yeah reality it's like when you send these people to in-home visits everyone in this system like understands it doesn't work it's broken it like it ruins people's lives it drives people broke but they're all still engaged in the system 
Yeah. Right. There's 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 one one of the lawyers I forget who, but explains to uh, Charlie that the reason why I think it might be Alan Alda, uh, but the the reason why it's like this is because of divorces that aren't amicable, and so like it has to be this terrible contentious system because that's what it's designed to work for for your like simple essentially no contest except for custody divorce. Like, where neither of you give a shit about how much money the other one's going to owe. Like, it's, you know, we just have to use the same tactics because that's just how it's decided from precedent for bad divorces. Mm-hmm. He also says, like, the in criminal cases you see bad people at their best. In divorce cases you say good people at their worst. Yeah. Which is essentially, like, what the movie is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It... it it really makes villains out of the lawyers, like truly, truly, the good lawyers. It's like to the point where it's like so on the cuff that Adam Driver says, "Like, oh, I you you hired an asshole. I need my own asshole." Mm-hmm. Is the yeah. reason why he hires Ray Liotta, and it's when his representation starts becoming successful. Yeah. You know, up until that point, he's basically lost everything yeah. in mediation and in like negotiations with Nora. Yeah, he's got a his first lawyer. He hires. It's a, uh, Alan Alda's character, um, Bert, uh, essentially is like, I'll do whatever you want me to, but essentially, you just have to lose the money you're paying me and do what you wanted to do all along. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not gonna convince them to have the kid live in New York or have, they can't make her move back. Yeah. You know? To me, the beauty of it is it is the, the, like, the kitchen sink human drama that's just, like, very vulnerable and laid bare throughout it. In the middle of uh, like an absurdist situation that's real, that is a it's the real process everybody goes through. I guess this specifically is heightened in California because California divorce is law is, I guess, crazier or more. Uh, I don't I don't know, huh? but uh, it's the absurdist thing is probably the most real depiction in the movie. Yeah. Well, it's it's also. Uh... It's like in uh, in Blue Valentine, right? That's that is that is the the story that is another feel good movie. But it's it's telling, it's the goal of it is telling a beautiful romance, but it tells it from the perspective of the dissolution of their relationship. The same way that if you have something like this, where you are talking about the best things about two people who love each other but you're telling it from the perspective of divorce, I think you have to paint certain people as, like, ghouls. And that is the the lawyers, the effective lawyers, and the legal system, which is fine. It's just, you know, you're, you know, telling the story of a man starting with his death. So, Mm -hmm. it's... I I I thought it was really interesting that that's kind of the, the route that it went. It's kind of like, to me, the lawyers being portrayed as kind of one-sided ghouls gives more room for for uh, Nicole and Charlie to be more full spectrum. Because um, they can take that part of it and the whole human arc of, you know, people's hearts being destroyed and by the system and by by all this stuff. I think it gives room for that. Yeah. I mean, there's also... There's also no, uh, like, surprise when they've taken these interactions of, of them trying to just make it work with him visiting out in L.A. 
and then the lawyer is weaponizing it in front of the judge. It's not like this was something that was told offhand and the lawyer was like, ooh, that's great, we'll use that. Like, it is clearly information given freely by either Nicole or Charlie. So I think we are seeing the worst of them in the lawyers kind of repeating their words. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, they are, they are the tool that they're using to... They're, they are masking their animosity towards each other through these people who they can, at the end of this, say like, man, they, that was really fucked up. Those lawyers really went went at our throats. Yeah. Besides, but they're, they're super culpable. Besides the full-on fight scene, the lawyers are almost their id. Yeah. You know, talking yeah. to each other. Why In the mediation... You know, before they go to court, they are, they don't say like a word to each other other than talking about lunch and the lawyers are talking about all these weapons getting ready to launch. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting how that plays out. And in the court, you know, obviously you don't speak for yourself in court, your lawyer does, but it's the same kind of thing. All the things left unsaid are, you know, launched into battle there. And then when they say, oh, that's crazy, let's, the, uh, what kicks off the big fight is, let's figure this out for ourselves. Yeah. You know, that works even worse. Yeah. And one of the, one of the causes for the big fight is, how could you tell your lawyer about this and use it against me? It's like, kind of, kind of a, a representation of the breakdown in their ability to cooperate and communicate. Yeah. Is what's being, what's driving them further apart. And yeah. both of them equally, I think. Yeah. To your point mm-hmm. earlier, there's no uh, zero like side picking in the filmmaking of this. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, they're different. You know, they fight in different ways. Yeah, she's super passive aggressive, and he is a little blonde to some stuff. Um, but you know, you don't, you aren't ever led to believe one mm-hmm. is worse than the other. Yeah, she doesn't talk, and he doesn't listen. Right. Yeah. I then I just uh, it. The beginning of the movie is the the beautiful shot. It's like handheld footage of like all the small moments that are. It's usually like the the finale of a romantic comedy. Yeah, it's like you know, like in when I don't know anyone connect these movies, but like when a date with Tad Hamilton, you do like you have seven different smiles, that kind of thing. Like specific moments. I love this thing you do. Right, mm-hmm. and it kicks off this movie about like bitter, you know, irreconcilable differences. And, uh, you know, talking about bookends, that's a true bookend there is the note. This, the note at the beginning and the Charles or Henry's really learning to read very well. Yeah. And just a phenomenal acting, physical acting from Adam Driver in that last scene. Oh yeah. yeah. Just heartbreaking. Choking through it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that, that the note that she refuses to read, the kid reads, it's just very mm-hmm. symbolic and, you know, a strong, strong end to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the reveal of Johansson, uh, Johansson in the doorway is also just, yeah. mm-hmm. it's as raw for her as it is for him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was a little nervous about it, kind of all season leading up to its release. Mm-hmm. But definitely, uh, from what I've seen, deserving of a top six or seven spot um, by the Academy. Yeah, it'll, it'll probably wind up there for me for my personal list. I don't see it getting knocked out of my top ten for sure. Yeah, um, I guess it's possible, but no, well, I wouldn't think so. Uh, is this not to talk of fame it too hard? But uh, one gauntlet question: Where does this rank for y'all for their performances? Because I was saying last night when we were hanging out with some friends, Chris and I were, and I was saying 
I think it'd be really hard for me to. Somebody was talking about Scarlett Johansson and JoJo Rabbit, how good she was. And it's probably her best role. And I was like, wow, it would be hard for Lost of Translation to get topped for me, like ever. I just can't really picture what that would be. Yeah. And then I watched this today and I was like, I don't know. It's pretty close. <laughs> that, that, that would be the tough one. Yeah. The, the <clears throat> out, not outside the box one, but the way different one is her in Under the Skin. She's phenomenal on that too. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to even compare. You know, it's an alien performance to, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what human beings talking to human beings. Um, I think it's it, it's probably it for uh, Adam Driver. Yeah, that's kind of where I think I'd land. I think it is definitely it for Adam Driver, and I think I would listen to. I wouldn't tell anybody they're wrong if they told me it was their favorite ScarJo performance. Right. It's but, at least you know in the conversation. Yeah, for for Adam Driver, it's his his filmography is like voluminous, but that's because he's in three four movies a year. Um, and it was 2015 before he got a leading role, right? You know, but like this year he's in four movies. Uh, so he's in the report, which you talked about earlier. Uh, Jim Jarmusch movie. He's in Noah Baumbach, and he's in fucking Star Wars. Like, yeah, he's staying busy. Um, but the the only thing that I'm thinking of that I saw him in recently was, uh, it's funny, the 2016, three years ago, he did Midnight Special, Patterson, and Silence. Uh, Patterson was fucking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. He was great than that. It also gave him a lot of opportunities to, you know, act his face off, um, and not just be a, uh, laser sword boy. Um, (laughs) in 2017, Firewood Stories, Logan Lucky, and The Last Jedi, like, he does work, and fucking hey, man, the directors he's worked with, oh yeah. my god, dude. J.J. Abrams, Noah Baumbach, Jim Jarmusch, Terry Gilliam, Spike Lee, Ryan Johnson, Steven Soderberg. Spielberg, fucking, he was in Lincoln. Spielberg, yeah. the Coen brothers, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Like, fuck. <laughs> you hit all the good ones that are alive, pretty much. Yeah, and not not to underestimate his, <clears throat> his role in Girls is, he's the best thing about Girls. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. It's it's kind of drawn out over a bunch of seasons, but the heights he reaches in girls are, like, pretty phenomenal too. Um, but yeah, this is his uh, best movie for me. I I think that for me, his best performance is in SNL as the as the old man uh, <laughs> yeah, at, really the, at the career day. <laughs> <laughs> he was really fucking good at Logan Lucky. Mm-hmm. Her belly with my festering seed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just love that that skit. It's really good. Um, but yeah, yeah. So this this is probably the top for me. Patterson close second, and obviously his Kylo Ren is really great. As far as tops for Bombach, that's a little uh, Bombach. Bombach. <clears throat> Bombach. Bombach. It's a, it's maybe a little tougher only because I love France, Francis Ha so much. That almost feels like a different thing. Like that's a Bombach Gerwig movie right. than just a Bombach movie. Well, there's also the do you. What do you split between writing, directing, and stuff that he's written, directed? Like, are you looking at the stuff that he's written and directed as like canon Bombach movies? I'm just looking at a director. Like, I mean, he's a co-writer on like Life Aquatic, but I'm not right. counting that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, he co-writes a lot with Wes Anderson, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Which God does that ever make sense? Yeah, the two of them being buddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just was just reading his Wikipedia. I've never, I don't know what Highball is about, but I like the note on Wikipedia. Bombach has disowned the film. His writing and directing credits are removed and respectively credited to Jesse Carter and Ernie Fusco, or Fusco, however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Weird. I, I think it's funny. The <laughs> yeah, I mean, the squid and the whale I've seen, it's good. Uh, probably a little overrated for me. Uh, and I'm with David. Same. Francis Ha. And uh, he's been on a kind of a tear lately. Francis Ha, starting there. While we're young, I've seen. I really enjoyed. I like that a lot. Um, Mistress America was good. And uh, the Marwood stories, the last one he did, we talked about on the yeah. podcast when it came out. Was that was really good. Really good. So, good for him. Did you say Greenberg? <laughs> Greenberg's a sneaky good movie. I like that. It's, too, a, yeah. it's a weird little comedy-ish. Mm-hmm. The way that all Bombad movies are <laughs> funny moments in them, but you would mm. it would pain you to call them comedies. That's a cringe movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Greta Gerwig is good in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Greenberg. So, yeah. Uh, maybe it's not so weird that Bombach's getting a nomination here, I guess. I don't know. I, mean, I know he's had it before. He's got a screenplay done for Squid the Well, I think. That's yeah. it. Um, but he's been popping out good movies for the past seven or eight years. Um, I can't believe... I Pretty feel like Francis Hawk came out in like 2003. I don't know why it's weird that it be that it came out six years ago. I feel like I watched it six years ago, but it was like on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Francis Hawk, it's, it's such a different mode, too. It's so like... Like, uh, full of life, positive, like, ebullient, versus this is, like, very human and very, uh, I don't know, uber-realistic but heightened. Knowing what I know now about Bombach and Gerwig, I think you're right, David. I feel like that movie probably was a Gerwig movie, mm-hmm. that Bombach was just like, I can get funding for this. Yeah, they talk about it. It's, like, just shy of a co-directing credit for her For, for Greta, okay. Yeah, she definitely co-wrote it, but very much involved in the yeah. in the movie. It definitely feels different than most Bombach yeah, movies. Yeah, Francis Ha feels closer to Lady Bird than Francis Ha feels close to this. Yeah. Definitely with that, like, free spirit lead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, cool. Well, any any parting thoughts on uh, on Marriage Story? I think uh, my only parting thought is I think Adam Driver may win the Oscar for this. He's got a damn good shot. He's got a great shot. He's got the fight. He's got the comedy. And lest we forget, he has the musical moment. Yeah, that is a... I R- really enjoyed it, too. It was really it was very good. good. Yeah. Interesting scene. Um, I, yeah, he's got... Man, it's a, just a tough year. I think De Niro's going to fall out. Uh, I think it's going to be between him and Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. As they're both really fucking good. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix has more history, more noms, and been around longer. And it's just like always good. It's just... The driver just had the one nom? Yeah. For last year? Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, we don't have a homework figured out yet for next week, but we will. We'll post it. Yeah, we'll post when this episode goes live. Best. Um, Post. This is still an episode of Talkie Talk, so we're going to do what we normally do after we talk about movies, and we're going to do Reality Roundup. Yeah. And uh, talk about Survivor. Karishma went home. Yeah. In one of the uh, most hilarious... Did you watch it, David? Yeah, Sorry. I did. I did okay. Yeah. Yeah, start there. <laughs> we'll ask David later. Karishma went home. Uh, there's a... Uh, in one of the most uh, hilarious and frustrating tribal councils... Where Nora is just the fucking biggest boob. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> What's wrong with that woman? Yeah. Sometimes people think that they just tell it how it is, but really they're just like, have no idea what's going on. Yeah. There's like, they're shooting yourself in the foot 
as an expression, she like wrapped her whole mouth around the gun. <laughs> it's just like the way that she was like, you know what? Let's not whisper. And then just basically like took I'll the just... blame for everything. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she was like, I'm gonna do this and it's gonna be awesome. And then she did it and everybody was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why did you keep whispering? At no point. Like, she had so many opportunities to be like, this was this person's plan. I'm just letting everyone know now. But she never did that. She just kept treading water, like, just didn't make any and sense. And all she had to do at the end was lie. Yeah. And just be like, no, I was never going to vote with them. Yeah. And then she's dead to rights, like, oh, we caught you in that lie. And then she's just, I don't know, she's, she's just like, sure, and I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Not even like tell a lie to back it up. It's like, yeah, we all know that. Let's go. Let's get past that. Everyone, forget that. <laughs> the yeah. the jury was cracking me up too. Like, I think uh, one of them even said, like, this is the dumbest. Yeah, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, these <laughs> are the, the dumbest these, votes. Yeah, these are the dumbest moves. Yeah, yeah, all the good players are on the jury. Sadly, yeah, because they were all assholes except for Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was uh, reading on the Inside Survivor stats page. The guy who goes through and just like. Uh, he's the guy who like counts all the confessionals and stuff. Yeah. Uh, this had some of my favorite stats <laughs> uh, relating to Dean and Krishma. Uh, this was the sixth tribal council where Krishma received votes. Five out of six times that she received votes, Dean was one of them. <laughs> uh, Dean ties a record previously held by uh, Jane Bright in Nicaragua for most votes cast against a single player with five. Uh, <laughs> Dean voted for Krishma five times. Uh, but the other one that he tied, one of them was during a revote. So Dean holds the record now. Nice. Uh, Dean voted for Krishma at half of the tribal councils he attended. Five for, <laughs> five for ten. <laughs> it's like everything. All the stats about this are like, hey, guess what? Dean fucking hated Krishma. <laughs> um, it was just really funny. Dean and Krishma had the highest confessional count. Jesus. This episode. It's just I don't know. It's amusing. Um, not outside of that, not really an exciting episode. No, I mean there were funny moments. I mean, but they were all Nora, so yeah, is what it is. Nora, I mean, telling Karishma to her face, "I'm like you, but likable." It's fantastic <laughs> television. I just can't wait for like the first part of next week's episode, where it's like they always do the thing where they're back, they're back at the place, and they're like, "What just happened?" Like Nora saying, "Like that was all part of the act." And everyone's like, you talked to us for like seven hours. Why you hated these guys' guts? It's like, there's no way. The editing on that was so good. Yeah. On Nora's filibuster. Dean's yeah. starting to fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and Elaine going like, you're getting off track. When she started talking about like a guy that she dated. <laughs> Nora, you're getting off track here, honey. Uh, I did like Elaine's girlfriend a lot. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And also, Karishma being real upset that nobody picked her to go on the uh, Loved One Challenge when she talked about, like, two weeks ago in real time. Like, how she didn't know if it was going to work with her husband and she wasn't really in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> she told everybody at Tribe that. You know, Why did they pick me to go eat dinner with that guy? Well, you said you didn't even like him. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, well, the, the stats page is also funny. They corrected Jeff Probst. Uh Jeff Probst said that uh, the 13-year-old son of Dan is the youngest person to ever be on a family visit. Uh, not too true, Jeff Probst. There's a 12-year-old, some kid named Boston, who was in the family visit. 
I don't know. Some kid named Boston? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Not Boston Rob's kid. Because that would be Boston hilarious. Awesome. It was a survivor that took place in Boston. <laughs> it was <laughs> Survivor Boston. <laughs> survivor Chowstown. I think that's called the real world. <laughs> um, but yeah. Excited to see what happens next week. Yeah, we only got two more weeks of Survivor, which is crazy. Holy shit. Mm. Really? We're at seven now. So... They'll drop to six, and then that's the finale. The, the mega episode. Oh my god, the finale of Survivor is a little much, man. I mean, I watch it every year, the and I have three fun with hour. it. It is three and a half hours every year. I usually DVR it and kind of fast forward the stuff from the audience. Don't they usually cut to the audience? Like, yeah. can you imagine? Can you? It's so crazy. This is happening. I normally DVR it, and we start watching it at like eight forty-five. Yeah, and then I can like we normally mm-hmm. catch up like at the end. I, I just always hate the like, hey, little boy, write down who you think's going to win. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's always like, and hey, look at this. <laughs> the little kid was right. It's like, who cares? No one. Yeah. <laughs> so it was Survivor. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone got some breezy? No, we were uh, going to talk some Oscar odds. We kind of did that throughout. You got anything else to add? The Golden Globe noms are coming out tomorrow as we're recording, so they'll be out by the time this posts. Yeah, we're in a very fast... Uh, time period for stuff. There's a bunch of guild uh, nominations that are going to come out. So the people that actually vote for the Oscars are going to start showing everybody the movies they like and seeing if that lines up. Because right now it's essentially what critics have said in their stuff, like these are the best movies, and then you see the industry. So the difference, like last year, was... um, like no one, no critics liked Bohemian Rhapsody, but every single fucking guild did, and that was a good through line to look at because it made it to the Oscars and tied for the most Oscars won that night. Yeah, yeah. So remember, I guess we say this every year, so we'll say it again. But like the guild noms are essentially going to be like four out of five, give or take a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, for their counterpart in the Oscars and Golden Globes and. Uh, you know, side award scenarios that aren't involved with the Academy at all are good barometers for like indie movies that are kind of bubble films. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be able to see how they'll do. And for speeches, is something me and David always like looking at for the Golden mm-hmm. Globes. Uh, if there's like a, you know, close tie or a comedy drama, you know, duo that is both going to get nominated for Oscars. I don't know if we'll get that this year in any categories. I haven't really looked, but... Yeah, the people that hobnob with actual voters, they don't want to give it to someone who does not appear grateful or, like, appear ready to play the game. Right, unless it's just, like, a Dale Day-Lewis. Yeah, or it's part of their shtick, like Mark Rylance coming up and saying two words. It's like, that was kind of his thing that year. Right, yeah. But, like, you can see, I think Viola Davis, like, submitted her Oscar win for Fences that year mm-hmm. uh, at the Golden Globes. She had just like a phenomenal speech that everybody loved and everybody likes her anyway. So yeah, check out that and we'll try to uh, get something up on the website so you can find the nominations there tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of news. It was an interesting week for trailers this week. We got the Black Widow trailer uh, finally dropped and people have been been asking about it because the movie comes out like in three months and we've kind <laughs> of seen nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, except for like the graphics for the title. And the first like trailer was like just B footage from old MCU movies. Yeah, but now we've got kind of a, a better look at kind of the, the main uh, conflict. Um, you know, David Harbour is in it as the Red Guardian, as kind of like an overweight, uh, like, <laughs> retired 
ex-Russian operative. Yeah, and he's, Captain America for the USSR. Yeah, I wonder so. if he had a lot of input into what his character should look like. like <laughs> if I could just be me, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. The piece. Well, uh, and speaking of the uh, Marvel Disney machine, uh, we also got a new trailer for Mulan this week. Live action Mulan. It's uh, gorgeous. And it's starting to look a lot more like it is a just straight up and down war movie. Yeah. Uh, with the central premise being that there's a woman Maybe who's an, pretending to be abs- a man. An absence of like ghosts and dragons. Yeah. To, it, to an extent. If they cut out Be Prepared, <laughs> that song, I'm going to be upset. Uh, or the, be, what's that song called? It's not Be Prepared. That's oh, sliding. We'll make it out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, if they cut out, I can't wait to be Kane. I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> you, you do have much upon a star's got to be there, or I'm walking out. You do have the addition of a character where I think that that they w- there will be some like mystical magical shit in it, where there's like the White Witch who's the, yeah, who's got like a bird familiar kind yeah, of thing. She's yeah. she's like the Huns uh, mm-hmm. like magic user, and so you see like there's a phoenix which is apparently tied to Mulan's family, right? Um, ha Mulan, the the Ha family, I guess. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, the witch lady turns into, like, a falcon at some point and flies away. So maybe, but it's not in the trailer. We don't see any Mushu. Maybe they've got some genie backlash from live-action Aladdin. They're like, we ain't CGIing shit in this movie. <laughs> After Aladdin and Sonic the Hedgehog. We need it's real like... huns with real magic <laughs> <Yeah>. in this <laughs> movie. Uh, and then the last thing is we got a, uh, a teaser trailer for a series that most of us really liked. Uh, the Amazon Prime original, The Boys. Uh, that teaser trailer came out uh, relatively recently from when we were recording this, so I haven't even seen it. But boys will be boys. All right. Well, <laughs> now we have to burn this podcast, so we'll we'll just take another shot at recording it. It's been a great final podcast. <laughs> um, but that's all I got for breezy. Unless anyone's got any more news they want to talk about. One thing, it just happened yesterday here. It'll be a couple days old. But R.I.P. Carol Spenny. Um, Fifty years as Big Bird. Yeah. Um, we did a podcast about the documentary about Big Bird. I am Big Bird. You can catch it in our archives. It was episode nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was... a long time ago. Um, great documentary. The follow that bird stuff in China is still. I can bring a tear to your eye if you watch it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, unfortunately, his death is going to be overshadowed in the news by the death of that rapper I was talking about, Juice World. Uh, that's, yeah, that's going to be the, the more popular news story, which sucks for someone with like Carol Spinney with such an incredible legacy. Who, yeah, everybody has seen and doesn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we watching this weekend, TJ? Man, do we got options coming up this <laughs> week? Uh, horror film that's getting like fun, kind of good reviews, middling reviews. Uh, Black Christmas is coming out this weekend. Uh, Jabanji the next level, which I know we were all fans of the first movie. Did you ever catch it? No, not yet. No, but super fun, man. You and Justin McElroy just failed to see that movie. <laughs> uh, and then a uh, couple of movies that probably aren't getting like Oscar buzz, but uh, feel like they would in some years and still could, maybe, because they're getting reviewed very well. The Clint Eastwood film, Richard Jewell, about the 96 uh, Olympic Park bombing. Yeah, about the bomb bombing. I was trying to figure out how to word it because essentially Richard Jewell's the guy they, you know, thought did it and didn't. Scapegoat. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Uncut Gems is also coming out this weekend. That's the Adam Sandler, Lakeith Stanfield, Kevin Garnett movie yeah. <laughs> that's getting just like rave fucking reviews. Yeah. And apparently Sandler is incredible. Uh, yeah, Safety Brothers. Good, movie good, good that time. Did good, good time, yeah. 
And then a movie that will definitely get at least one nomination, probably a three or four, if I'm guessing, Bombshell, comes out this weekend, and that is about mm-hmm. the Me Too movement inside the... Well, not the Me Too movement. It's about sexual assault allegations in the Fox News network. The Roger Ailes yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Starin is a... Uh, well, I don't know if I would call her luck, but she's pretty damn close for Best mm-hmm. Actress. Uh, eerily... Eerily uh, visually similar to Megyn Kelly. Yeah. They do a really good job. Yeah. yeah the three three leads, if you can call them all leads, all have the same look. They're tall, beautiful, and blonde. Mm-hmm. My tablet died because I got drunk and started watching cartoons all night last night when I went to bed. <laughs> and Nicole, but, Nicole Kidman is Gretchen Carlson. Okay. I think in it. And uh, Margot Robbie is uh, a, just a fictional character having a representative experience at Fox News. Yeah. But uh, the director, I forgot his name, like I said, my iPad died, but... Uh, Jay Roach. Jay Roach uh, directed Recount and Game Change and these badass uh, made-for-TV movies in HBO that came out in the past decade. And Austin Powers. And also Austin Powers. <laughs> but also Mystery Alaska, the best sports movie ever made. So, I'm going to say Bombshell. It's my pick. It looks as fun as you can make that movie. I'm really interested by that. And also, um, but I'm probably going to go with Uncut Gems. I'm just really fascinated when Sandler gives a shit and gives yeah. a performance. People say, oh, this is actually pretty good. We, we talked about earlier, Meyerowitz. Him great. and Meyerowitz is, yeah. is great. And I like a serious or committed Sandler. So I'm going to say Uncut Gems. I'm also going to say Uncut Gems. I really liked, I, th- I don't know how many of us saw Good Time, but I watched it. Um, I saw it after the fact. Yeah, I saw it after the fact. Not in my death race, but I uh, really liked it. i um, really excited to see what else the Safety brothers do. Especially now that they've got a lot of critical oomph behind their uh, choices. Yeah. Um, and I know that Adam Sandler's going to be in the Hollywood Reporters Roundtables. Those are going to start coming out uh, now that we've got just basically like eight weeks until the Oscars. Cannot recommend those enough if anybody haven't uh, yeah. watched them. If you've got Sundance Channel, is what they air on now. And then once they air on Sundance, they'll be on YouTube. Yeah, like a day after they post on YouTube. Yeah. Also means Sandler is playing the game this year. As like doing all the interviews, talking to all the people, doing all the stuff that you would do to get there. Yeah. Whether he does or not, I mean, lead actor is a is a death race this year. The kind of people you leave out are legends. Yeah, he said uh, if he doesn't get an Oscar nomination, he's going to quit movies. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> he also gave an interview. If he doesn't get a nomination, he's going to make the worst thing he can think of on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> Just <laughs> <save> the people. <laughs> he like literally said that, which is great. <laughs> He may do that unintentionally. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought he already did that. I watched about 20 minutes of that Western bullshit. It was awful. Which one? The Fart six. 8 or whatever it was called. The Magnificent Fart six. Ridiculous 6. The ridiculous oh, 6. Yeah. So bad. But anyway, so go see uh, Uncut Gems. That's how we do this. 2 to 1 majority. But also go see Bombshell. Uh, see all these movies. They all sound great. It's actually out. a good weekend. Yeah, yeah. good weekend. And Black Christmas is, is a really fun kind of outside one that's that's in there. Yeah, um, it looks like a pretty, pretty standard fare, uh, low low budget, high box office style Bloomhouse movie. Um, but yeah, that's the podcast. This is the outro. Thank you for listening to Talk to Talk. Thank um, you. You can find us on our Facebook page. Facebook. Uh, we've got our fan groups for fan TV, groups. movies, and games. Yeah. Uh, you can send us an email to themediabiosgmail.com. You can tweet at us at the media bias, or you can find us on Instagram where we are. Not there. Um, <laughs> but, but the uh, give us a rating uh, on your favorite uh, i 
iPod? No. Nope. Yeah, if I do know your favorite iPod, I call this one Jeremy. <laughs> Only iPod. He's touch. my favorite. Only iPod. Only touch iPod for you. Shuffles. <laughs> I feel for Brent. This really is thankless doing the outro. First gen iPods only. If you it's don't so much fun for whoever's not doing the outro, though. If you don't got a click wheel, we don't always want you. <laughs> uh, so rate us on your pod snatching app of choice. We really appreciate five star ratings. We rate appreciate four star. Four star ratings less. Man, we say like pod snatching like, like so favorite, often. That was my favorite part of uh, the Phantom Menace was the pod snatching. <laughs> thanks to the Will Walkers and thanks to Marifa. Bye. 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 Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things